Which leads us to our next guest, Kane. Because David Butterfin played the game at Richmond, but he then went on to become Collingwood's long-term sports science director. He formed an excellent partnership with Mick Malthouse. He led the way in the move towards altitude training in the AFL. He's been with the Blues. He's been with the Kangaroos, the Olympic team. And he's now a director at Resilience Builders, a company specialising in instilling resilience in individuals. And uh, David, you join us on the line. It's a great pleasure to have you on. I appreciate your time. No, you're welcome, Sam. Gay Cornsy, how are you? Good, mate. Thank you for this. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And, and we think of people like you at this time of the year. So what are we? We're a month out from games. So in your old job, David, at what stage of the preseason would this have been in terms of your program? Well, I think the specificity is really important. So you're getting, you're getting intensity, um, you know, that velocity and game kind of orientated, kind of drills going, that's, which is really important. So they can kind of transition into the game. Um, you do, this is a susceptible period of, of the time of the year where injuries do occur. Um, so, but you have to kind of transition, you know, with, <laughs> with some strategy there and uh, being smart about how you do it as well. Um, but you've got to get this kind of level of intensity up right now. So, um, they, they would have been doing this in, in probably, um, you know, that late period of December as well. Mm. Mm. I'm not sure if you heard the, the audio there from Patrick Dangerfield, but it seems yeah. extreme in terms of increasing their high speed running and a, a major adjustment. Oh. How how risky yeah. is something like that? Well, that, any load for any athlete, that's that's you know the three or four fold in you know in intensity. That's that's quite significant. And when we jump that that level of intensity, um, there is a risk associated with that. I mean, some athletes can do it, but you can imagine some athletes could really struggle with that that change in, in velocity. Um, so it's <laughs> you're right, it, it is extreme. Um, so if you if you increase that kind of that that workload, um, you want to make sure it's kind of graduated and kind of allowing for that kind of recovery to, to, to you know, compensate as well. So there is an element of risk associated with it. But I can understand, that, you know, the rationale behind it as well because you really want to train to work, you know, towards kind of game game intensity. So getting in condition to, to cope with that load, so it's adaptation we're talking about here. Dave, we're seeing a lot of injuries at the moment. Kane and I were talking about them earlier and we, we will later when Dr. Peter Larkins joins us. Is that because... Like, what was your approach towards injuries in January? Like, obviously, you've got to be vigilant, but are you more inclined to rev the engine just to test the ceiling of some of these guys when, I guess, the, you, you can't miss a game at that stage? But is it a balance? Yeah, it, it is. It's a real balance because, it, you know, you've got, you've got the diversity of, of, a, of a cohort that you know, very young players have got a very small kind of training history behind them. You've got, the, you know, the older players have kind of, um, you need to manage, you know, you know, really well too. So... But you're also going to get games, you know, that specific kind of intensity up as well. Look, it is a balance. You've got the, you know, the grounds are probably more, you know, um, firmer this time of year as well. So, and they haven't done a real lot of kind of game-specific, you know, kind of match play stuff as well. When that happens, it really, the intensity really kind of, uh, you know, cranks up. So there is that, there is that vulnerability in this, in this period of the year. So that's, you are, you are likely to get some injuries. You've got to sort of manage accordingly. You've really got to keep your best players in the paddock. That, mm. That's the key. Mm. That is. Yeah. I often uh, observe coaches and, and fitness bosses arguing and, and having robust mm. discussions, he- healthy <laughs> in the preseason. What is yeah. that toing and froing like? I mean, the coaches want extra time out there. They probably want more time with football stuff. You yeah. probably want more time with conditioning. But give us an insight into the things that you would argue about with, with Mick Moldhouse or a coach. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's really healthy to have that kind of collaborative discussion. You know, that's what leads to innovation. And I mean, basically, they've got to work the craft. 
and they're footballers, you know. So yeah. um, there's only so much running you can do, but you've got to try to blend it in with, you know, with the footy specifics as well. So it's, you've got to have that discussion, but you've got to get the best out of them from a, you know, from a physiological point of view and then from a technical point of view as well and from a tactical point of view. So it, it's very, very holistic. If you don't do that, then you're not really building the capacity into your, into your players. Um, look, you're going, to have, you're going to have that discussion and it's healthy. You know, conflict is inevitable. It is inevitable you've got to ha- have that, but that's what leads and that's what drives high-performing teams. Um, it's just not one way. The sports fans only can pull back in. You've got to compromise. There's, and when that happens, yeah, you start to really kind of develop a really good um, kind of methodology in, in, in designing it and, and delivering a program. David, how thankful were you that I think for the bulk or maybe even all of your career in this line of work, you didn't have a soft cap to contend with? <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. It's kind of, I, I, towards the latter part, there was a soft cap when I was at Carlton. Right. Um, I think it does, it does stifle innovation. You know, I think in a way, it's like, you know, saying to a car manufacturer, hey, you know, hey, Toyota, just bring your, bring your spending down, um, you know, to the, you know, um, Honda to kind of catch up. Yeah. I think in a way, we, we want to bring people in that can, you know, improve the well-being of our players, uh, support the coaches, technology it's going to actually improve the game itself so it's kind of and, it, and basically it will drive performance yeah i think it i can understand the rationale because it, you know they're concerned about some teams kind of breaking away from the kind of sides that don't have the resources but it does limit it does limit the ability to innovate uh to improve the quality of the game you know, and that's what we want you know the spectators want to see it the athletes want it as well if you provide them the right resources um, that would definitely enhance the game itself. So I do think it's it is limiting. Mm. Hey, we see a lot of players now going outside the football program to uh, work on medical or or extra fitness, particularly yeah. in the off season. Did you ever have an yeah. issue with that? And and how did you balance no. players looking for experts yeah. outside? Oh, I I really encourage that. I think that's that's one of the things, particularly now in the off season, a bit of a time off season. You know, hearing players that they go off to do a training camp, they do some educational stuff as well. You know, it's it's you're a full time athlete, so I mean, you need that kind of that respite from the you know, the rigors of of training. But you go off somewhere else, and you may be able to cross pollinate with other other kind of um, high performance um, athletes as well. I'd be really encouraging that. You know, it, this is you know the difference between winning and losing. It's very, it's a micro percentages, and you just need to add that um, into your toolkit. So it's a worth it's a worth investment, I think. You know, it, um, you know, seeking other ways is going to actually benefit you from a, from a psychological point of view, physiological point of view, whatever that may be. Um, yeah, that's that's the next wave. We see it in, in a lot of international sports and NFL players do it, the basketballers do it. Mm. We're seeing you know, guys in the NFL heading across, you know, that uh, to other sports to just enhance their their uh, their ability. Yeah. Hey, David, we're nearly out of time, but I'd better ask you about resilience builders. What's that all about for the yeah. for those out there who haven't heard about it? Yeah, look, we, we've actually, um, you know, we go to you know, the corporate organisations to build kind of, you know, um, high-performing kind of cultures, but we also build resilience in people as well. 
We've just come up with a, um, a resilience online program, and that's funded by Vic Health, which is fantastic. It goes out to regional areas of Victoria, which they get access to it uh, for free. They get pre and post assessment, which is fantastic. So really, you know, the government have actually supported us here to, you know, to actually drive this progress. The need of people in, in the regional areas have been affected by you know, droughts, mm. um, floods, and so forth. And um, so this is just something we're, we're really kind of proud of and, and driving, you know, driving this actual program. David, I could talk to you for a long time. There'd be so much to get to. I'm fascinated by the topic, uh, and obviously you are as well. Unfortunately, we're, we're time-constrained here, but really appreciate you taking some time out of your morning to, to join us, mate. No, good talking to you guys and all the best.